Thank you for a warm welcome, literally. The, one of the warmest Sunday of the year so far, and uh, here we are, so uh, thanks for that. Uh, it's uh, lovely to be here, and thanks for, uh, again, for, I've spoke to a few people, and uh, all have been asking me, as well, so just confirmed, very much for the um, yes, I am. Um, so, so, so thank you for, for that. I've put my phone here, you throw me normally when I'm speaking, there's a clock at the uh, back of the church, and I can keep an eye on how long we're speaking for, and I'm sure you'll appreciate tonight being keeping an eye on the clock and how long that uh, we're here for. It's quite warm, um, but we're here to hear what God has got to say to us. So Russell's read the, the passage for us from Joshua chapter 24, um, he read for us verses 1 to 15, although the text is verse 15, I thought it was good to, uh, and we needed to get the context of the rest of that passage, and the passage, um, and the text rather this evening is verse 15, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a it's a lovely text, a text that uh, probably uh, most of us are fully aware of. Joshua's got some, uh, some great sort of verses like that, you know, in, um, when he says, be strong and be bold, and uh, those are the sort of verses that we, we often quote, and this is one that we also often quote, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a, a text that is often made into plaques and we see it in many Christian homes in the lounge or in the kitchen or wherever it is in the hallway we see these plaques. As for me and my house, we will say oh, some of us here may even have one in our homes and in our hallways. But the question and what we aim to do tonight is to ask ourselves and look at this verse, this text, and ask ourselves do we truly understand its meaning for us, for our lives, personally, here today in 2022? Do we really understand what it means when we say, as for me and for my house, we will serve the Lord? And that's why um, I wanted to have the whole of the, the context from verses 1 uh, through 15 read, because we need to really consider the text as we try and understand what it means to serve the Lord, what it means for our lives and what Joshua was saying to the people as they congregated there. So let us just consider some of what we read through those first verses from 1 through to, to 13 and 14. And these are important for us to, to understand and to take into consideration when we look at this verse. Well, you need to first of all understand who Joshua was addressing. He, was, he wasn't addressing um, any other nation. As we read throughout this uh, passage, he mentions a lot of Ites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the other Ites. He's not addressing any of those, he's not addressing any other nation, but the nation of God, God's people. He was addressing God's own people, Israel. Very important that we understand that he was not addressing anybody else, wasn't addressing anybody who was outside of that nation, anybody who was outside of God. He was addressing his own people. From verses 1 through to 13, we see Joshua go through a, a sort of a snapshot, if you like, a quite a brief but in-depth history 
and reminds Israel of, of that history. He goes through with them. He reminds them of what God has done for them. And if we have read our Old Testament and we, we read the, the story of the Israelites and from their exit from Egypt and through travelling uh, the 40 years it was to the, the Promised Land, we'll, we'll have an understanding of some of the history of the, of the people of Israel, of what they went through, their ups, their downs, their um, disobediences. And he reminds them of, uh, of many of these things as he goes through verses 1 to 13. He reminds them back to the time when God called Abraham and called Abraham out of the land in which he was living in. He called him out of the land and called him to the land of Canaan. He reminded them how God multiplied the descendants of Abraham, how God blessed their father Abraham. He reminds them of that. He reminds them of their conquests. Again, if we read throughout, we see how many different conquests that the, the people of Israel, that nation, came across as they were travelling to that promised land. They, as God directed them to come against the, those its, those eyes, those many different tribes and nations that were um, against them, God reminded them that how many times that, as he directed them to conquer nations that they did so by the strength of God behind them. He reminds them of the times when the Lord gave Israel a land for which they did not labour, cities that they did not build, and provision from vineyards and olive groves that, de- that they did not plant. He reminds them of all the goodness, the mercy, the provision, the wonderful things that God had done for them throughout their history. God had truly blessed his people and he's truly showed his hand and helped them in many times. But we also know from scripture as we read throughout their history, we read of all those things that Joshua reminded the people of, we read of all those different times where God truly blessed his people. And they were seeing things almost on a daily basis, how God was for them and how he uh, went before them and how he fought for them and how he blessed them in so many ways. And yet we also see how often they were also prone to wander. How often they were prone to leave their God who had done so much for them, who had shown his hand so many times, who had delivered them so many times, they were prone to wander. They fluctuated from trusting in the Lord to trusting in their own strength. There were times when they conquered in battles, as as Joshua reminded them, how they conquered, how they were able to defeat armies by following the word of the Lord and being obedient to all the things that he said to them. But we also read when there are times when they failed miserably, times when they disobeyed what God was asking of them to do, went off in their own strengths. And so then we see how they failed miserably and they were defeated by their enemies. They fell into the hands of their enemies because they disobeyed and did not do what God had asked them to do. There were times when they served the Lord their God with gladness and full rejoicing and 
extravagant worship as they worshipped and danced and clapped and sung before the Lord. But there are times when they followed after the lifeless God to the pagan nations. That's the history, that's what we know of the people of Israel. We have to pause here for a moment as we consider all those things, as we consider their ups and their downs, as we consider how they're extravagant in their worship, how they're um, following and giving God praise and glory for all that he's done for them, and how then they're prone to wonder, how often they're prone to do things in their own strength, how often they're prone to grumble against God when he doesn't seemingly do or answer as quickly as they might want him to answer. We find it very sad, don't we, when we read how often they were blessed and how often they, in our language, kicked God in the teeth, so to speak, when they went off after life as God and after doing it their own way. But then when we assess our own lives, does that start to ring any bells in our own lives, our own Christian walk with God? Are there times in our own Christian walk when we find ourselves prone to wander? Are there times when we fluctuate from trusting in the Lord to trusting in our own strengths? How often have we been in a prayer meeting and we've uttered great prayers of faith and trust in the Lord? Now something can happen that very night that throws us into a panic and we then go into our own strength, our own self-mode. I've had times when we have been extravagant in our worship, when we've been singing and praising and uttering out our prayers and we've lifted our hands up in worship and and giving God, giving Christ all the honour and all the glory, rejoicing in his goodness, rejoicing in his grace and in his mercy. Then in the next breath we're following after the sights and dazzles of the world. <coughs> maybe I'm the only one that's felt all those. Or maybe we can all say in agreement, yes. At some time or other we've all experienced those times in our Christian walk when we've had our ups, we've had our downs, we've had times when we've completely wandered and done things in our very own strength. And like the people um, of Israel, we always see that we fail miserably when we try and do anything in our own strength and walk outside of God's will. And so it's important to get that context because Joshua has to remind these people before he presents them the question, he has to remind them of what God has done for them. He has to put in place and say, this, this is your God. Because they were prone to wander. Their forefathers, they were following after idols. He tells them and reminds them of that. And so he has to put all of this in place before he poses this question to them. And the first question he poses to them is, choose this day whom you will serve. That's why it's important that we understand that he was talking to God's own people. It 
wasn't talking to the other nations and asking them, will you come and serve our God? Will you ditch your pagan gods and come and serve our God? He wasn't talking to them. He was talking to God's own raised and special people. And so this evening, that question, first of all, has to be thrown out to us. Choose this day whom you will serve. And this is not some question or doctrine about ourselves choosing or rejecting salvation. This is completely not a verse about choosing or rejecting salvation. This is a verse to God's people. This is a verse for those who believe. This is a, a, a verse for those of us who acknowledge Christ as our Lord and Saviour, who say, yes, I believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a question for us tonight. Choose this day whom you will serve. This is a challenging question for those of us who believe, for those who are saved by grace. It's a question tonight that challenges the believer to examine himself, herself, to see if we're in the faith, to see if we are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we analyse this question, this question that Joshua poses, choose this day whom you will serve. And before we give our answer to it, as we see Joshua's answer in our text, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Before we get to that part, before we even get to declaring that's our answer, we need to understand what it is truly to serve the Lord. And first of all, we need to consider what it is not to serve the Lord. There are many misconceptions in Christians and churches today of what serving the Lord is. And sadly, many people are led to believe wrongly in what serving the Lord is. So what serving the Lord is not? Serving the Lord is not a nice, comfortable seat in church. Now you might have nice, comfortable seats in church tonight, but that's not, that's not serving the Lord, coming and serving. and Maybe you sit in the same seat week in, week out, like we do at Jacksdale. You can know who's sat where. But that's not what serving the, the Lord is, that we have a nice, own, comfy seat that we sit and relax in on a Sunday evening or a Sunday morning. Serving the Lord is not a nice, quiet, peaceful, rose garden type of Christianity where the butterflies and the bees and everything are flying and the birds are there and it's such a wonderful, relaxing experience. It can be. We have those times when, we have, when God causes us, us to be uh, in, a, in a relaxed state, but that is not what Christianity is. That is not what serving the Lord is. It's not a life a lifetime full of relaxation and living our lives on the sunbed in the garden. I wouldn't want to be actually, I'd sooner be indoors. <laughs> it's not that. Serving the Lord is not postponing it until tomorrow. We cannot postpone like we do many things. Are we a person who postpones things until tomorrow? I postpone a lot of things until tomorrow. Most of them chores that I don't really want to have to do. I postpone sorting the weeds out in the garden until tomorrow. And the day comes when you wish you'd have done it because they're up here. 
But we can't postpone it. We can't postpone serving the Lord until tomorrow. It's a now thing. It's a in the moment we serve the Lord. Serving the Lord is not half-hearted. It's not something we do half-baked. Put half our attention in, half our heart in. What did the Jesus say in the Gospels? If you're to build a house, ensure you've got enough materials, enough money to complete the task. Don't go in it half-hearted or you make a fool of yourself. Serving the Lord is not half-hearted. And serving the Lord definitely is not compromising to the world's unethical and ungodly system. Truly we know and see in today, aren't we, really a world that is ungodly, unethical, promoting agendas that we wouldn't even thought of 20 years ago, never mind 100 years ago. The agendas that the, the world is trying to push and trying to enforce into our churches. Serving the Lord, friends, is not compromising to that worldly system. It's not possible. It's not possible to live our Christian life and serve this world and to believe in the world's ungodly and unethical system. No, to serve the Lord is as the words of Jesus himself who said, it is to take up your cross and to follow after him. So to serve the Lord, we've considered a few things, and that's just a few things of what it is not. We could probably have a whole sermon on what it is not to serve the Lord, especially in this day and age, and the things that many so-called churches would have us believe is serving the Lord. Serving the Lord is then to do the following things. Serving the Lord, and these are things that not one of us really in our own human self will like to hear. We don't like to hear some of these things because it goes against the grain of that selfish human beings that we are that likes to promote self and likes to actually do all those things that are not serving the Lord. We like a nice, comfortable, easy life, don't we? We like things to be peaceful and going well. We like to have nice things around us and a nice car and a nice, comfortable home. We like to have things that we like to put off things to tomorrow. Well, I do. You might not. I like to put off things until tomorrow. No. So these are the things that it is to serve the Lord. And again, just a few. To serve the Lord is to abandon our self. To abandon ourself. To serve the Lord is to give up our own personal rights, our cherished interests, our own self-will, and to give them over to his plans, to his rights, his interests, and his will. To serve the Lord is to echo Christ's words as he said in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, thy will, not mine, be done. That's what serving the Lord is. That we hand over our own selves, our own lives, and all the things that we cherish. Doesn't mean that God can necessarily say that we've got to put away those interests altogether, and completely um, get rid of them. But what it means is that we put him first. And if he, and if he causes to put away our own self-will, then we gladly and willingly put aside our own self-will and our own interests. 
And many times God will challenge us and call us and ask us, what is first? Is serving the Lord first or is it serving our own will? Is it serving our business? Is it serving whatever it might be that takes our time and our efforts away from serving the Lord? To serve the Lord will inevitably cause us to swim against the tide, sorry, the tide of popular opinion and stand up for Christ. To be, to be point to Christ and to have Christ as our all in all. We often, we can only quote um, at the times we're living and we can go back and some who are older, older than me can probably go back to times where you know, we've always lived in difficult times but we seem in a real ungodly time at the moment, a time, as I said, that we, things that are being promoted uh, and things that churches are gladly accepting as well. Truly serving the Lord will mean that we go against the tide of all those things, of, all the, of what is popular opinion of the day, both in the world and sadly, and it's even sadder to say, sadly, in the church. We will have to stand up and go against popular opinion. Joshua himself was prepared to go against popular opinion when he stood up and said, Choose for this day whom you'll serve. But if it seems evil for you to serve the Lord, he was prepared for the whole of the, the, the gathering of the nation of Israel. He was prepared. That if they all of said no, that we don't want, we abandon this God. He still stood up and said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It wasn't matter to him. Yes, I, he would have been sad, he would have been upset, he would have been instead of upset. No, we're not following after you. Sorry, we've had enough of this God. We're going our own way. Even if they had said that, the whole nation of Israel, his answer was still, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So what will the answer be for us in our day? As we've considered where we are, as we've considered what it is and is not to serve the Lord, have we took a brief look at the, the state of the world and the state of the church we're in today, what will our answer be? This is where it becomes personal. We're all called. Every one of those people, as Joshua addressed them there that day, it was addressed to each individual. And each individual in their own heart and their own mind were called to answer that question. Choose this day whom you will serve. So as I say again, what will the answer be in our day? We're not fighting against the Amorites, the Hittites, any other ice. We're not fighting against them today. But we're fighting against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the dance of this age, against spiritual hearts of wickedness. We're in a time, friends, when we need to stand up when we really need to stand up and answer that call, choose this day whom you will serve. What is our day? What is our day? I briefly mentioned what our day is. But our day, and this is this is this really is our day. Our day is a day that truly and actively wants to cancel Christ. 
This nation, this world, they want to cancel Christ. They want to be rid of Christ and Christianity. And we can see that, we know that. Our day is a day that, that wants to cancel and ostracise you as a Christian, as a believer in Christ. They want to cancel and ostracise you, especially if we speak out against the, the popular opinions of the day. If we speak out against the LGBT movement and the abortion movement and all those kind of things, we speak out against those things. The, the nation will want to cancel you and ostracise you. Your friends and your neighbours and family will probably want to cancel you and ostracise you. That's the in thing today, isn't it? Cancel. We're cancelled if we don't agree with opinion. We're told free speech, but if we don't agree with what we are being told, we're cancelled. That's the, that's the day that we're in. Our day is a day that wants to tell us what the nation, what the governments, what the teachers, they tell us what they want to teach our children and we have no say in what, in what they teach. That's the day that they're living. They're teaching things in schools that do not need the consent of parents. Now I'm not that old, I'm only 44 and I know that there were things in school when I was at school they had to get the consent of the parents before they taught certain things. That, that doesn't matter now. We're told what's being taught. And again, if you don't like it, you're cancelled. You're ostracised. And so, the cry goes out today, as Joshua did on that day. Choose this day whom you will serve. And I pray, as with the people that day, as with Joshua, Sorry, as with Joshua said, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now we know that they did go with him, didn't they? Thankfully, they, they took up the call and they, they, they stood with him. But Joshua, whether they were going to go with him or not, his answer was, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I pray, brothers and sisters, friends, tonight, that that will be our answer. That we can confidently stand up and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And this is not, this is more than a plaque on a wall. I've got nothing against a plaque on the wall, by the way. But it's more than a plaque in our lounge. It's more than a plaque in our kitchen that says we will serve the Lord. It's a living and it's an acting, active Christianity and faith. So when the world system wants to shut your mouth and cancel you and ostracise you, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. When the world says to you that you're a bigot, that you're an extremist, that you're a propagator of hate, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. When the world says that we will teach your children whatever we like and you cannot do anything about it, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. No, this is not an armchair Christianity. But we flick on the telly and relax and chill out and enjoy. Somebody else will do it. It's an active and real Christianity. The cause for us to stand with one another in solidarity. And that's what we need as churches, whether we're located uh, here or whether we're in Jackson and Selston, whether it's London, wherever it is. The true Church of Christ, who believes still on the Word, 
who believes the true, unadulterated word of God, we have to stand in solidarity and say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So no, it's not an armchair Christianity, but neither is it something that we need to fear. It can be something that we can look at and we can think this is such a, a heavy and fearful task, but it's not, it's not something to be feared. Why? Because Christ himself said that he would be with us always to the very end of the age. And that he will be with us and he will stand with us as we declare and stand and say that as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You see, because we do this as we go right back to the start, we don't do any of this in our own strength. We do it in the power and the strength of Christ and the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it otherwise. If we try and attempt, we might as well not bother because we will fail miserably and do it all wrong. So we need not fear because Christ is with us. And when we stand firm with him, when we stand on the rock, then we know that he will not be moved. And he will have us, he will hold us, and he will be with us. And also, we don't fear it. This is an exciting thing for us as Christians because we have a message that we can give to the world. We have that message, the gospel. We have the message of a Christ who can and does transform lives. A message of a Christ who can and does and will change nations. Transforms lost sinners from death unto life. This is the Christ you believe in, isn't it? And he's calling us to believe on that as we stand and we say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Why? Because we know and believe that he is a God who changes lives. He is a God who can change our nation. He is a God who can change our towns and villages. He is a God who can change our politicians. We need to believe it and stand together in solidarity and say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And this doesn't go without reward. What does Paul write in 2 Timothy? As he's writing that, he says, those lovely words, aren't they? I've fought the fight. I've run the race. And now stored up for me is a crown of righteousness. And as we, as people in this life, as we stand in solidarity and we say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. As we work together in that, that's not going to be easy. going to be difficult when people, when somebody accuses you of being a bigot and an extremist, that's not easy to take. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And on that day, you've got a funeral here today, tomorrow. When it comes our turn, now coffin is coming up the centre of that church. But those who are gathering can say he's fought the fight, he's won the race. Now is stored up for him, her, a crown of righteousness. That's the reward that we wait for. But in the meantime, will we stand together and say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And we will declare this gospel. And we will stand and we'll believe that our friends... Our family, I'm sure each one of us has got family members who do not know Christ, who reject him. Work colleagues, neighbours, whoever it may be, this nation, this government, can we believe that our government can be changed by the power of the gospel? Can we believe that our nation and the nations of the world can be changed by the power of the gospel?
But even if it doesn't, even if it gets worse and worse and worse, which probably it will do, even if it doesn't, we can still say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Amen.